Hey, welcome to Socialism for All. This file is being recorded for the March 2021 edition of Socialism for All, and it's an audiobook and discussion of the Black Hundreds and the Organization of an Uprising by Lenin from 1905. If you like this video, please click the like button and the subscribe button and consider supporting us on Patreon. So a few notes from me before we get into the text. Recently, like the last month or so, there has been a controversy surrounding YouTube personality comedy news guy Jimmy Dore, formerly of the Young Turks, who had a boogaloo boy. What's that? That's a right-wing libertarian militia member on his show and was giving enormously favorable, very uncritical coverage of what this Boogaloo Boy had to say. Uh, Boogaloo Boys, for those who don't know, are people who show up to protests, usually wearing um, Hawaiian shirts. Anyway, but for their for the furtherance of libertarianism, which is hyper-capitalism, reactionary, across-the-board, um, far-right, far-right stuff. Pretty soon on the channel, actually, I'll be putting up an analysis of the Libertarian Party platform, which basically, I mean, we as socialists are trying to build class consciousness as well as, you know, consciousness of racism and sexism and heterosexism, etc., in an attempt to crush all forms of oppression and create a society post-capitalism where the economy is run to meet human need on a democratic basis and people can actually become their full selves rather than living as oppressed wage slaves, um, etc. So libertarians, on the other hand, want to pretty much completely nullify the concept of society. It is a complete enshrining of the individual. Um, it's, I mean, it's just, it, it's the complete antithesis of, of what we as socialists, communists, Marxists are trying to do on every level. However, by trying to recast the problems that we face from capitalism in the light of populism, the anti-establishment framing, they can make this case uh, that, you know, we're all on the same side, we're not part of the establishment. Well, no, um, and we'll get in more into that at the time. But the key thing that I want to hone in on here as we talk about the Black Hundreds and the organization of an uprising is the Boogaloo Boys, the main thing, they're all about a civil war. That's where their name comes from. There was an old movie called Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo, and the joke is Civil War 2 Electric Boogaloo. So Boogaloo Boys, it's all about violent conflict, and they frequently insert themselves into um, you know situations where there's protest going on, and they are carrying rifles and, you know, heavy weaponry, basically. Um, it is frequently alleged that what they're trying to do is, in fact, escalate situations. However, as people have been catching on to this whole phenomenon, they have been consciously, as a movement, been trying to run favorable PR for themselves. But what did they really want? Well, as this discussion has been unfolding and people on the left or who claim to be on the left are trying to, you know, figure out, make sense of this and, and try to put forward responses that we as a community can take to this. Some people have been bringing up the Black Hundreds, who in Russia were monarchists, extreme reactionaries, uh, 
dogged enemies of socialism. Fascism wasn't a thing yet at that time, but um, the Black Hundreds were a mass movement uh, in favor of the most reactionary things that you could come up with that in many ways that echo um, some of the arch reactionaries of today where they, you know, may join the Republican Party in the United States and then actually vote against Republican legislation on the basis that it's not right wing enough. Okay, there's a few of these people. Well, the Black Hundreds are kind of the same way, like they were monarchists who uh, sometimes didn't even support um, some, you know, different movements against socialism because they weren't right wing enough. They weren't like, you know, embodying like the divine right of kings purely enough. Um, we see some of these things where, you know, these hyper capitalists, they claim to be like anti-establishment because, you know, the establishment believes in like having some kind of laws on business. So anyway, um, are the Boogaloo Boys the Black Hundreds of today? And what did Lenin actually have to say about the Black Hundreds? Just a couple of days ago, I put up a, a video, Lenin, on the national question, and there were a few references to the Black Hundreds there. Not exactly um, a favorable outlook <laughs> from Lenin on the Black Hundreds. Anyway, uh, I came across this document, and... Let's have a read, because I think that the parallels are striking. Let's see what you make of it. So this was published in Proletary number 14, 1905, published according to that text. The source is a Lenin Collected Works, Progress Publishers, 1972, Volume 9, translated by the late Abraham Feinberg and Julius Katzer, transcription and markup by R. Simbala in the public domain, thanks as usual to... Marxists Internet Archive at Marxists.org. So, let's get into the audiobook. The events in Nizhny Novgorod and Balashov have attracted general attention. In the previous issue, we published a detailed account of the Nizhny Novgorod massacre. In this issue, we are giving an account of the massacre in Balashov. The misdeeds of the Black Hundreds are on the increase, and Social Democrats would do well to turn their attention to this phenomenon and its significance in the general course of revolutionary development. Quick comment from S4A for any new listeners. When Lenin uses the term social democrats here or social democracy, he doesn't mean in 1905 what we think of by that term today, welfare capitalism basically. At that time, social democracy was the name for Marxism, socialism, communism. So just to clarify that. Back to the text. As a supplement to the correspondence from Samara, the following leaflet issued by the Borisoglebsk group of the RSDLP, Russian Social Democratic Labor Party, is of interest. Quote, Workers and inhabitants of the town of Borisoglebsk, the Balashov and Nizhny Novgorod events, in which the police have proved their ability to organize a massacre of all who hold dissenting views, have shown you the gravity of the situation the revolution is confronting us with. The time for words and platonic criticism has passed. Quick side note, again from S4A, 1905 was the first attempt at a revolution. Of course, a successful attempt would not take place until 1917, but this was the first attempt, and as you can see, it was over a decade in the making that they actually succeeded. Back to the text. 
The time for words and platonic criticism has passed. By force of circumstances, the government drives us from words to deeds. It sees that the revolutionary movement has advanced beyond the point where it could be fought against, as has been the case hitherto, by the police and the gendarmerie alone. It realizes that in the struggle against the internal foe, the regular armed forces of the Ministry of the Interior will not be sufficient. The entire population of the Russian Empire has become an internal foe, and quote, rebellious, and the government is obliged to enlist volunteers for the regular army. But in this wholesale enlistment into government service of tramps, rowdies, hawkers, and similar disreputable characters who recognize no bureaucratic restrictions whatsoever, our government has at the same time been forced to change its time-honored methods of influencing the masses and the time-honored secret methods of the immediate struggle against the revolution. What's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. Hitherto, our government confined itself to waging a struggle against the printed word. It now itself publishes proclamations in the Moskovskia Vedomosti, Ruskoya Dielo, Orezhdenin, Dien, and other official organs. Hitherto, our government only hunted down agitators. It now itself sends out prelates, generals, Sharapovs, Gringmuts, and other agitators of its own to conduct agitation among the people. Hitherto, our government only throttled all organization. It now itself organizes unions of the Russian people, leagues of patriots, and unions of monarchists. Quick comment. Is that starting to sound familiar? Leagues of patriots, unions of monarchists, or in this case, hyper-capitalist reactionaries, neo-feudalists. Back to the text. Hitherto, our government trembled at the mere thought of an uprising. It now itself organizes uprisings of the Black Hundreds and hopes to provoke a civil war. Terrified at the prospect of the impending revolution, the government has seized on such of the latter's weapons as organization, propaganda, and agitation. With the aid of these double-edged weapons, and with the help of the Black Hundreds, the government is beginning to stage scenes of popular indignation, of counter-revolution. After a tryout in the marginal provinces, it is now beginning a tour of the heart of Russia. We have recently witnessed such scenes in Nizhny Novgorod and in Balashov, and it cannot be said that the autocracy met with no success there. Revolutionary methods of struggle proved efficacious. Revolutionary in quotes there. Many enemies of the autocracy were murdered or manhandled, and the population was terrorized by this legalized terrorism on the part of our government. There can be no doubt that the experiment will be further extended. The laurels won by some of the Black Hundreds will give the others no rest until they too will have put their strength to the test. Where there is revolution, there is counter-revolution too, and therefore Boris Oglebsk must also be prepared to experience the organizing skill of the eminent representatives of the Black Hundred trend. We have reason to expect also in Borisoglevsk pogroms against the Jews, against the workers, and against the intellectuals. Therefore, in preparation for proper resistance to the, quote, illegal measures which the government has adopted to suppress the revolutionary movement, the Borisoglevsk group 
is starting a subscription for the Organization of Armed Self-Defense and invites all those whose sympathies do not lie with the government and the Black Hundreds to help in the organization of self-defense groups with money and arms, unquote. So we're done with the pamphlet and we're back to Lenin's writing now. In fact, civil war is being forced on the population by the government itself. It is a fact that, quote, tramps, rowdies, and hawkers, unquote, are being taken into government service. Under these circumstances, bourgeois talk by the Ozva Bozhdenia League about the crime and folly of advocating insurrection, about the harmfulness of organizing self-defense, that's from Ozva Bozhdenia, number 74, is now not merely inordinate political platitudinarianism or justification of the autocracy, and in actual fact, servility to Moskovskia Vedomosti. But in addition to this, it is impotent peevishness on the part of the Osvobozhdenia, say that ten times fast, dotterers, whom the revolutionary movement has relentlessly consigned to the scrap heap or some old curiosity shop, the place most suitable for them. Theoretical discussions on the necessity of an uprising may and should be held, and the tactical resolutions on this question should be the outcome of careful thought and deliberation. Meanwhile, it should not be forgotten that spontaneous events take their own authoritative course regardless of all philosophizing. It should not be forgotten that all the tremendous contradictions that have been piling up in Russian life for centuries are now developing with irresistible force, bringing the masses to the fore and relegating outworn and dead teachings about peaceful progress to the rubbish heap. Opportunists of all sorts like to tell us, learn from life. Unfortunately, what they mean by life is only the standing water of peaceful periods, of times of stagnation, when life scarcely makes any progress whatsoever. These blind people always lag behind the lessons of revolutionary life. Their dead doctrines always fall behind the stormy torrent of revolution, which expresses the most far-reaching demands of life, those involving the most vital interests of the masses. See, for instance, how ridiculous, in face of these lessons given by life, are the plaints being made by a certain section of social democracy about the danger of a conspiratorial view of the uprising, about a narrow Jacobin approach to the question of its necessity, about exaggerating the importance and role of material forces in the impending political events. These plaints started on the eve of an insurrection, becoming a most real and vital necessity to the people, just when the masses, who stand farthest from all, quote, conspiracies, began to be drawn into an insurrection because of the misdeeds of the Black Hundreds. A bad doctrine is splendidly rectified by a good revolution. In the New Iskra, one can read feeble witticisms, or are they sneers, of a purely Burenin type, about the publication of a special military pamphlet discussing the military questions of the revolution and even going into the question of day and night attacks, about thought having to be given to the matter of headquarters for the uprising, and of about having members of the organization, quote, on duty to get timely information of any pogrom, of any, quote, enemy action, and to give proper and timely orders to our fighting forces, to the organized revolutionary proletariat. And there is a uh, footnote here about Burenin. It reads, Burenin, VP, worked on the staff of the reactionary newspaper Novoya Vremya, engaged in libeling and besmearing representatives of all progressive public and political trends, 
Lenin uses his name as a synonym for dishonest methods of conducting polemics. Back to the text. And at the same time, as if in derision of the lifeless doctrine of the Mensheviks abroad, we see the actions of the Mensheviks in Russia. We read that in Ekaterinoslav, see Proletary number 13, an agreement was concluded between the Bolsheviks, the Mensheviks, and the Bund in anticipation of violence. A pogrom by the Black Hundreds was expected. Is there a city or village in Russia today that is not expecting something of that kind? There is another footnote here about the Bund. The Bund, the General Jewish Workers' Union of Lithuania, Poland, and Russia, came into being in 1897 at the founding Congress of Jewish Social Democratic Groups in Vilna. In the main, it comprised semi-proletarian Jewish artisans in the west of Russia. At the first Congress of the RSDLP in 1898, the Bund joined the latter, quote, as an autonomous organization, independent only in respect of questions affecting the Jewish proletariat specifically, unquote. The Bund was an expression of nationalism and separatism in the Russian working class movement. In April 1901, the Bund's Fourth Congress decided to alter the organizational ties with the RSDLP as established by the latter's First Congress. In its resolution, the Bund Congress declared that it regarded the RSDLP as a federation of national organizations and that the Bund should enter the RSDLP as a federal section. After the Second Congress of the RSDLP turned down the Bund's demand that it should be recognized as the sole representative of the Jewish proletariat, the Bund left the party but rejoined it in 1906 on the basis of a decision of the Fourth Unity Congress. Within the RSDLP, the Bund constantly supported the party's opportunist wing, the economists, Mensheviks, and liquidators, and waged a struggle against Bolshevism and the Bolsheviks. To the latter's programmatic demand for the right of nations to self-determination, the Bund contraposed the demand for autonomy of national culture. While the Stolopin reaction was raging, the Bund took a liquidationist stand and was active in the formation of the August anti-party bloc. During the First World War, the Bundists held a social chauvinist stand, and in 1917, they supported the counter-revolutionary provisional government and sided with the enemies of the Great October Socialist Revolution. During the foreign military intervention and the Civil War, the Bund's leaders made common cause with the forces of counter-revolution. Meanwhile, there was a turn among the Bund's rank and file for collaboration with the Soviets. In March 1921, the Bund decided to dissolve itself, Part of the membership joined the Russian Communist Party, Bolsheviks, on the basis of the general rules of admission. Now back to the main text after that long footnote. Quote, Joint collection of money for the purchase of arms, a joint plan of action, etc. Unquote. What kind of plan this was is evidenced by the fact that at the Bryansk Works, for example, the Social Democrats at a meeting of 500 workers called for the organization of resistance. Quote, then in the evening, the organized workers of the Bryansk Works were quartered in various houses. Patrols were stationed, a headquarters was appointed, etc. In short, we were in complete fighting trim, unquote. Incidentally, they let each other know, quote, the location of the headquarters of each organization, unquote, of the three mentioned above. It is at their own comrades who are engaged in practical work that the new Iskra journalists are sneering. However much you may turn up your noses, gentlemen, at the question of night attacks and similar purely tactical military questions, 
However much you may pull wry faces about the, quote, plan of assigning secretaries of organizations or their members in general to stand on duty to provide for any military exigency, life goes its own way. Revolution teaches, taking in hand and shaking up the most inveterate pedants. During civil war, military questions must of necessity be studied down to the last detail, and the interest the workers show in these questions is a most legitimate and healthy phenomenon. Headquarters, or members of the organizations on duty, must of necessity be organized. The stationing of patrols and the billeting of squads are all purely military functions. They are all initial operations of a revolutionary army, and constitute the organization of an insurrection, the organization of revolutionary rule, which matures and becomes stronger through these small preparations, through these minor clashes, testing its own strength, learning to fight, training itself for victory, a victory that will come the sooner, and the more probably, the more profound the general political crisis becomes, the stronger the discontent, disaffection, and vacillation within the ranks of the Tsarist army. Social democratic comrades all over Russia must and will follow on an ever wider scale, the example set by the comrades of Ekaterinoslav and Borisoglebsk. The appeal for aid in money and arms is most timely. There are ever-increasing numbers of people to whom all plans and even revolutionary ideas of any sort are quite alien, but who nevertheless see and feel the necessity for an armed struggle when they witness the atrocities perpetrated by the police, the Cossacks, and the Black Hundreds against unarmed citizens. There is no choice. All other ways are blocked. One cannot help being agitated by what is taking place in Russia at the present time. One cannot help thinking of war and of revolution. And whoever is agitated, whoever thinks, whoever takes an interest, is obliged to join one armed camp or the other. You may be beaten up, maimed or murdered, no matter in what supremely peaceful and scrupulously lawful way you behave. Revolution does not recognize neutrals. The struggle has already flared up. It is a life-and-death struggle between the old Russia, the Russia of slavery, serfdom, and autocracy, and the new, young, people's Russia, the Russia of the toiling masses who are reaching out towards light and freedom in order afterwards to start once again a struggle for the complete emancipation of mankind from all oppression and all exploitation. May the day of the insurrection of the people come soon. If I had a little pistol, I would fire a few blanks in the air. Yeehaw, woohoo. Rousing words, uh, certainly. So uh, that's the end of the text. Um, last year, 2020, we saw a lot of uprisings. Uh, pandemic, economy shut down, people finally didn't have to work. You know, Americans work some of the most of you know, any working class in an advanced industrialized country. Um, I want to say off the top of my head, the average uh, U.S. work week is like 50, 55 hours. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's really a lot of work. And then suddenly you had a situation where people were not only not required to go to work, but businesses were shut down, couldn't go to work, were being paid to stay home. Uh, tip of the hat to the sacrificial workers who didn't have that option, unfortunately, um, your situation is recognized, but we had a situation where people were able to just stop and think about what they wanted to do. And 
And we had the murder of George Floyd. Um, many people of color every year are senselessly murdered by police. Unarmed people who totally minding their own business. Um, that's part of the system. There's deeply entrenched racism and sexism and other forms of oppression, which are interwoven. They are why U.S. capitalism is so resistant and why it's just been, it's so entrenched and it's been so hard to beat. There's been a communist movement for, well, forever in the United States. I mean, for as long as communism existed, there's been a movement here. We're up against one of the most brutal and entrenched forces. But it reminds me of what Lenin said here in this document, which is that at that time in 1905, quote, all the tremendous contradictions that have been piling up in Russian life for centuries are now developing with irresistible force, bringing the masses to the fore. That you know, there have, I'm not the first person to draw parallels maybe between 1905 Russia and 2020 USA. We really are in a situation where the contradictions are so oppressive, so glaring, and we're really starting to have a mass conversation nationwide about, hey, this isn't it. We need to get rid of this whole system. We need an entirely new system on a level that I don't know if we've ever had this level of discussion about these questions before. So, assuming that we can draw any kind of parallel to the situation, I mean, what was the role of the Black Hundreds at this point? Well, it was the government themselves trying to foment and foist a civil war onto the people. They were trying to proactively you know, they feared the growing revolutionary sentiment. There is, whether it's developed to the same level or not, there is certainly a growing revolutionary sentiment in the USA. Certainly. That they can't help but fear. In this case, in this historical example, as Lenin and his other comrades here, our other comrades, are writing about in this pamphlet, the government is using the Black Hundreds, just like, you know, you go on these right-wing forums, how many of those people are feds, do you think? How many? You know, and you see people in the left community talking about the same shit, civil war and whatever. Feds. Feds. They're cops. They're cops. People trying to cast these people in a positive light. You're fucking cops. Fuck you. You're fucking cops. Quote, it now itself organizes uprisings of the Black Hundreds and hopes to provoke a civil war. Trump uprising anybody? Storming the Capitol? They themselves, it's all about trying to co-opt radical revolutionary energy in service of the status quo. You saw that in Hitler's Germany. Fascism incorporated elements of socialism and syndicalism, but ultimately in support of the status quo. Same thing with the fucking libertarians, where they talk this good game about revolution and whatever, when all they want to do is turn back the wheel of history. It's totally reactionary. Don't fall for it. And don't fall for other commentators trying to cast these people in a positive light. Oh, we can work with them. No, you can't. 
because they are on the puppet strings of the U.S. federal government. They are controlled by cops. We know this about the Proud Boys, that he's a federal informer. I forget the guy's name off the top of my head, but the leader of the Proud Boys, not the Gavin founder guy, but the guy who was like more organizationally involved in running it, was an informant. How far do you think that goes? I'd say it goes probably pretty far. This is what they're trying to do. They are trying to amass a reactionary right-wing mass movement to drown us out and oppose us. We're the ones that they're afraid of. Socialists. They don't want socialism. No way, no how. Libertarianism, on the other hand, literally is neoliberalism. It's, it is the status quo. It is not a threat to the status quo like libertarians like to think that it is. It isn't. I mean, the dupes. The ones at the top absolutely know what it's all about. They want capitalism. They, they know that. So I hope that this is somewhat clarifying for folks. Um, what do you think? Am I grasping at straws? Am I making connections between things that don't relate? Or are the Boogaloo Boys the Black Hundreds of today? I'd say that they are. And not just the Boogaloo Boys, but, I mean, they're the most blatant ones because they're the ones talking about civil war and all the other shit that they talk about. And again, you know, note in here that Lenin, he's not dismissing the idea that the socialists need to arm up, protect themselves, do their patrol, like do what they're doing. He's not saying that that's not the case. <laughs> I'm not saying that you shouldn't learn to protect yourself and your community. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is don't fall for this civil war rhetoric coming from right-wingers and thinking that they're your friends. They're not. They're on the puppet strings of the federal government. They want hyper-capitalist, reactionary stuff. They're not just confused workers. By and large, the people involved in those militias and the surrounding movements, the supporting movements, are conscious participants in right-wing ideology. They debate and discuss it all the time. And they know what they're doing. They might be too stupid to realize that it's not that great for them, but they do know what they're doing. The last time I posted a video about this subject. It was an hour long video and literally within one minute of <laughs> posting the video, a comment appeared that was like, we can work with these people. Oh, they just need to be educated in uh, dialectics. If you've talked to any of these people, that's like saying we can work with them. They just need a brain transplant because they're utterly, utterly resistant. Yeah. There's people you can educate. These are not them. That's what I'm saying. The culture that they have immersed themselves in through all these right-wing forums and communities that they are a part of, complete cesspools that have basically closed their mind to anything remotely progressive as being, you know, part of the international communist conspiracy which is, according to them, to be opposed at all costs. 
We will continue to develop this issue in future videos because I think it's going to be an important one for the next few years. My prediction is that, you know, the street battles uh, between left and right, basically, I mean, that started out between the cops and the left and now have turned into a three-way thing of the cops, the right-wing militias, and the left, with the cops generally taking the side of the right-wing militias because they are cops. They're volunteer cops, basically. They're also out there for the status quo, even though once in a while they may try to confuse you with a little bit of seemingly progressive rhetoric once in a while. Don't fall for it. This is your duty as a socialist. Don't fall for it. If you fall for it, you're useless to yourself and to the movement. I'm going to sign out. Please leave comments below. It's been a pleasure. And as always, we will catch you in the next video. And that's the video. Thanks to our current patrons whose names are on the screen. If you'd like to get your name on the screen or just support us financially, you can go to patreon.com slash socialism for all and sign up for a monthly donation. You can also follow us at facebook.com slash socialism, the number for all. Used to have a page at F-O-R all and it got throttled to death by Zuck. Here on YouTube, please click the like button, subscribe button and the notifications bell. Please leave a comment if you can and please share our video wherever you're online, your Twitter feed, your Discord servers, Reddit subs, etc. All of that helps more people to see this content, whether it's in the YouTube algorithm or just posting it on other sites. All of that's helpful. All of you out there supporting and promoting this content makes it all go that much more smoothly. We need to end capitalism, normalize talking about socialism today, and uh, it's really kind of our only hope for a better tomorrow. Thanks for all you do, and we will catch you in the next video.